This is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com, and I am here with our wonderful intern, now intern emeritus, yeah, Mr. Luke Munger. And yeah, I'm uh, glad he caught that because I was going to suggest that as the title going forward. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's, it's an easy title. It's an easy title to remember. But uh, basically, the reason why we've been in touch with Luke is because he is helping us with some of our position previews for the fall. And he did one for the receivers, which is out now. And we want to get his thoughts on the receivers. Simple enough. You know, yeah. you know, there's there's plenty to talk about with him. There's a lot of guys coming back. What do you think is kind of the overriding thought right now with some of these guys coming in, Luke? Especially with, you know, a couple guys that didn't really do much in the spring. Guys like Aaron Fuller and Quentin Pounds and Ty Jones and... You know what? What is the what's your overriding thought as you uh, look yeah. at the receiver position this fall? So obviously, or I'll start kind of with my overriding thought by going back to last season. Uh, if you look at kind of the three most veteran receivers uh, in terms of at least production on the roster, it's Aaron Fuller, Andre Bocelli, at least last year, and Ty Jones. Um, you can throw Chica McQuatcher in there as well, obviously, but he, uh, th- for the past two years, has been fairly limited with uh, injuries and whatnot. Um, but with those three, there were glimpses of each of them showing the ability to be that guy. I, th- I think Aaron Fuller had nearly 600 receiving yards through six games. Andre Bocelli had 25 receptions in the final three games, and Ty Jones caught four touchdowns in the first four games. But the, I think kind of the story there was – Obviously, nobody did it all season long, and very rarely was there a time where they could kind of coexist as very productive receivers. Um, Fast forward to the spring, you see guys like Aaron Fuller uh, miss some time, Ty Jones missed some time, uh, and then Quentin Pounds, another kind of elder statesman, still uh, injured in that room. It gave opportunities for some younger guys to stand out. I think there's obviously a lot of talent in the room, uh, but the question, I think is can one or two guys kind of emerge as uh, people who are getting targeted, I don't know, consistently six to eight times a game. And uh, not necessarily, I mean, it's hard to live up to the Pettis-Ross tandem, but I think it's obvious that when you have two dominant receivers, that's when it, like, I guess that's what breeds the most success because the defense can't key in on, I guess, just one guy at a time. So it's uh, they have the numbers to do it. It's just who it's and hopefully for Husky fans, it's if rather than, or it's when rather than if that lights come on for um, at least two of them to kind of, I guess, be that those productive receivers all season long. I guess as a quick aside, Luke, do you think it matters yeah. who the quarterback is when it comes to these receivers? Or do you think there's, you know, cause they, they're extremely experienced at the top of the order with Fuller and pounds and, Bacelli yeah. and Chico McClatcher and guys like that. Do you think it ultimately matters uh, who the quarterback is when it, when it comes down to it? Uh, I was thinking about I- including this a little bit in the article, but I wanted to not turn every offensive position uh, like preview into it being about the quarterback situation because that's obviously the biggest story on Montlake right now. Um, it, like, I think kind of yes and no. Uh, obviously, Jacob Eason, like just pro typically speaking, you know, former five-star recruit, 6'5", 6'6", is a guy who, in terms of just natural talent, it it, uh, kind of checks all the boxes. Jake Hayner, on the other hand, though, is a gunslinger. He kind of brings that mentality a little bit. He's not afraid to cut it loose in the opportunities that we've seen him. 
So I really don't think it makes too much of a difference. I think the, the bigger difference or the, uh, the bigger deal is that this quarterback battle uh, in, in the best interest of Husky fans ca- causes the cream to rise to the top and whoever ends up winning that. Um, it, it's not more of a default thing where they have to choose between two guys that don't necessarily come out and take ownership of it. And I think as long as one quarterback kind of emerges as the guy rather than them having to kind of pick their poison, them being the Husky coaching staff, I think uh, that the offense wouldn't look too different depending on who's under the center or it wouldn't be too contingent on who's under center. So let's look at the top of the roster right now. Again, I mentioned the seniors, Aaron Fuller, Quentin Pounds, Andre Bocelli, Chico McClatcher. Of those four guys, who do you feel has the most to prove right out of the bat in fall camp? Um, in terms of most to prove in earning a rotation spot or, or I guess, earning significant playing time, I think it's Quentin Pounds. Just uh, the fact that this is his uh, third, if I'm not mistaken, significant injury. Um, he's a guy that in the past has made a few spectacular plays. I mean, you think about his catch against Colorado – in 2017, uh, the touchdown grab in the opener against Auburn. Uh, he's flashed his playmaking ability, but has never really been uh, a consistent playmaker in the offense, uh, like, and oftentimes because of injury. But it's hard to come back from that third injury, um, especially uh, given the opportunity for younger guys and the talent in the room. So in terms of just having something to prove to earn a spot, I think it's Quentin Pounds. And also Aaron Fuller you know, was just named uh, Wednesday as – you know, the Pac-12 just put out their very, very first media preseason all-conference team, and he made honorable mention. Mm-hmm. Given, given his production last year, do you feel like that was fair, or do you feel like he got slighted a little bit? I, I You know, that's tough. I personally think he got slighted. Um, I, I think one of the unfortunate things with the Husky offense last year is just for whatever reason, they never f- seemed to find their rhythm. Um, and Aaron Fuller, I think, and every player on that offense – from a statistical standpoint, struggled or uh, suffered when it, it feels like an offense can never find their rhythm, right? And, uh, and another interesting thing, and uh, I, I think I put this on Twitter a couple weeks ago, but if you look, if you take away the touchdowns, Aaron Fuller's junior year and Dante Pettis's junior year are almost identical in production. And obviously, touchdowns are like what win football games, and Dante Pettis scored way more touchdowns than Aaron Fuller. But I, I think because Aaron started so hot and then wasn't as consistent down the stretch, that people forgot that he was like, what I, th- I think eight hundred fifty plus receiving yards last year, the leading receiver on the team. Yeah, uh, and you, you think if they can, I mean, it, just another year of getting bigger, stronger, and faster, nevertheless should breed, I guess, higher production. And then if you think that you have the opportunity for a guy like Jacob Eason or Jake Hayner to step in. And with Bush Hamden's second year calling the shots, if the Husky offense can take a positive step forward, uh, it wouldn't be hard to imagine Aaron Fuller pushing that 100, I mean, pushing that 1,000 yards uh, threshold. And if that's the case, you'd probably be more than an honorable mention wide receiver. I certainly don't want to gloss over Andre Bocelli because I think he really came on super strong at the end of the year. And I think he's going to obviously be a very valuable contributor as a senior but I'm kind of wondering what your take on Chico McClatcher is going to be. What What do you think would be, you know, what do you think would be good benchmarks for him in terms of catches and yards? 
Yeah, so Chico is an interesting one because I, and it's inter- like, I think that it's adequate that you uh, mentioned Andre Bocelli because I, I, I think the reason that Andre Bocelli came on so strong towards the end of last year is um, whether it was kind of in the ugly Pac-12 championship game against Utah, this, in the snow against Washington State, or when the Huskies were kind of struggling to get the ball uh, or just to get their offense moving downfield against um, Ohio State early in that Rose Bowl. Uh, Aaron, or Andre Bocelli was kind of their uh, safety valve in the sense that it looked like they would just kind of flip screens his way and let him use his speed and uh, his, his shiftiness to pick up eight yards at a time and be content with it. Obviously, Chico uh, was a big, big play machine at UW having, I mean, his sophomore year, he averaged almost 15 yards per touch and nearly 20 yards per reception, right? But uh, like when you think of a slot receiver like Chico, or kind of the way that they've used him in the past, a lot of times they'll hand it to him on fly sweeps or uh, that sort of thing, jet sweeps, or they will, uh, I, mean, I mean, target him on screens a lot too and just bet on him being able to make some guys miss and uh, be a touchdown threat from anywhere on the field. Um, in terms of benchmark for uh, receptions, it, I'd say it's kind of tough to say because it'll be an uphill battle in considering the fact that Andre and Aaron have kind of carved their niche in the offense already. Chico will have to, I guess, demand that playing time back. He's had, uh, he's only eclipsed 30 receptions once, and that was obviously his sophomore year. I think if he could finish around 35 to 40 receptions, that's like three a game. And if they're trying to get him the ball one other way, whether uh, that's making him a kick returner or if they're giving him some opportunities to take the ball and run with it on like a fly sweep or something like that. And you're looking towards 50 touches. I think that's plenty for Chico to be a pretty dynamic playmaker for the Huskies. I was going to say Ty Jones was gone. You know, you moved to the juniors and, and he was certainly a guy that showed up at times last year. I mean, I, I kind of watched the first half of the Cal game last night just to watch something, to watch something else. I was that I was looking at, but it really, impressed me how much he kind of came up and made some catches you know he uh he's a guy that obviously with his size 6'4 210 pounds he can do some things and and can be seen as a big time possession yeah. type guy what do you, what are your expectations for a guy like ty jones now going into his junior year i, I think I, it's unfortunate that he missed spring but i i think not only like seeing the glimpses of Ty Jones last year where you saw him what looked like operating at his peak capacity at times, and then him coming out and what he did in the Husky Combine was pretty ridiculous as well, leading the team with the highest broad jump, and then also doing a pro agility, uh, like I guess you call that the shuttle, 391 in that. Um, he, so not only is he a massive person, he's also a phenomenal and explosive athlete. Uh, and then, like you said, I mean, I remember that Cal game, I think on the first drive, they might've ended up calling it back, but Ty Jones, uh, outlept, it was a Cameron Bynum of Cal down the sideline. Uh, and then the play that I think of when I think of Ty Jones last year was his, uh, touchdown reception against Oregon when, uh, Jake Browning kind of scrambled to get free and threw the ball downfield and Ty Jones in the end zone was getting held and fought through some contact to haul in a touchdown pass. Um, he's just a specimen and he brings athleticism to the table. So you, you think of a guy who uh, with like him or like, or an athlete of his potential, the sky is the limit. Uh, he's a guy that you can't get away with in the pack 12 or really anywhere leaving one-on-one coverage, because I, I feel like at a certain point you can just float a ball in his vicinity. And if he's got a guy who's smaller on him, uh, worse, like worst case scenario for the Huskies, it's a pass interference and they're getting a new set of downs. Uh, 
he's someone who's going to demand attention. And I think if the Huskies are able to put another option that requires some attention, Ty Jones uh, could be like a huge big play threat just in the sense that he's a guy that you can float the ball to downfield and let him out athlete and just kind of high point footballs that other people can't get to. It is an interesting point and a good one because when it comes to pass catchers, Washington really hasn't had kind of a jump ball specialist since Mm-mm. arguably Austin Safarian Jenkins. <laughs> and, yeah. um, and so, you know, having a guy like Ty Jones who can actually high point the ball and use his six, four body to, to get up there and do that. You're right. The, the play against Oregon is, is, is something where I'm wondering, given the fact that they need to find more explosives in the past game, if that's not something that they may, I don't know if rely is the right word, but if that's something that they're going to try more and more yeah. as they go forward. It'll be interesting. I mean, you think of opportunities. Uh, it's something that, like like you said, it's not necessarily something you can rely on, but it's something you could try. If you want to create an explosive, uh, I mean, think about like, I don't know, maybe like a second and short opportunity. Why not take a shot downfield with Ty Jones and see what happens? If you put it up there, uh, it would be hard not to. It would be hard to defend Ty Jones legally while not, not allowing him to out jump or out physical you. And I think Ty Jones, I mentioned a little bit in the article, um, the, I think with him, consistency and confidence kind of breed each other. Um, like there, I, I think there are moments where when Ty Jones is at his peak, he's very confident uh, and he's like, I don't know. I, I think if he can kind of have an assassin's mentality, it can be dangerous for uh, Pac-12 defenses. Sure. Now, um the other junior in the in the lineup in the room right now is a guy named Jordan Chin, mm-hmm. who had one catch for 15 yards last year in nine games. As a junior now, has his time to make an impact in this room? Is that come and gone, or is there still an opportunity for him? It's interesting because um, when I think of uh, um, Jordan Chin, was it? I mean, I think it was fall camp last year that he kind of had his coming out party and was a pretty productive player throughout all of fall. And it felt like he might even kind of carve a role for himself in the offense, but then it manifested in a total of one catch, uh, which is interesting. It it, it led me to believe what more can he do that at least the media could see in practice to demand playing time. Uh, Did I lose you there for a second? No, I thought I did. Uh, uh, Nevertheless, uh, um, yeah, I mean, I think Jordan Chin – uh, it, obviously, he's a talented player. He's he's a guy who's a good athlete. He's a burner, um, but th- there's something about him that just hasn't demanded playing time to this point, and I, I can't really pinpoint what it is. What's funny about him is the one catch that he made was a diving catch to move the chains in the Rose Bowl, which is pretty cool. Uh, nevertheless, yeah, I mean, I, I think that with kind of the talent in the room and with already, um, I guess, elder classmen or people in his class like ty jones that have already established themselves um jordan chin i think the opportunity he has to establish himself as a guy who demands playing time is using his speed as his calling card and stretching the field um and maybe he hasn't had an opportunity to do that because they haven't had a quarterback that they felt comfortable really just kind of being a gunslinger and taking those shots downfield so maybe depending on whose quarterback this season he might have an opportunity to to carve sort of a niche role but it doesn't feel like at this point that he can really position himself to be i guess an every down guy for the huskies at least from what we've seen to this point well and you're right too uh luke because no matter what happens they can't take that catch away from him yeah that's true they can't at all i mean how cool is that 
a diving catch in the Rose Bowl to move the sticks. So now let's, um, you know, go forward and, and talk about some of the guys that were really kind of breakout stars of the spring. And they happen to be a lot of underclassmen. If you want to look at the group that includes Terrell Bynum, Marcus Spiker, Trey Lowe, Austin Osborne, you know, of the, of that group, who do you think is the next guy in line to really kind of impose themselves on this, on this receiver competition and maybe challenge some of those upperclassmen for playing time? So I've gone back and forth on this, whether it's Austin Osborne or Terrell Bynum. And the reason I gravitate towards Terrell Bynum in this circumstance is I'm thinking like the way that I kind of see the receiver room right now is your three most known quantities are Aaron Fuller, Andre Bocelli, and Ty Jones. So I think the best chance for someone to kind of crack that group to demand playing time is someone has to have a calling card or bring something to the table that no one else has. In Terrell Bynum, what he was doing in the spring that no one else did or not as frequently was stretching the field. Uh, like uh, everybody remembers, maybe the offensive play of the camp was that 60 plus yard touchdown pass from Jacob Eason to uh, Terrell Bynum. And later that practice, uh, Terrell Bynum, was it, who was it? Was it Kyler Gordon or Keith Taylor or someone that he out- outlept and hauled in a pass from Jacob Sermon? So he's another guy that I think, just in terms of his ability to stretch the field and take the top off the defense. I think that he has a calling card that separates him from the pack of underclassmen. And for that reason, I think that he'll have at least a role that he can play and therefore demand some playing time. And what about Spiker? I mean, obviously he came in with a ton of fanfare, um, Mm -hmm. did some nice things this spring, but yeah, it it, it didn't really see the consistency that maybe you might expect. But again, you know, redshirt freshman, um, hard to really get too critical uh, in his situation right now. Yeah, exactly. And with Marcus, uh, you look at him and then you see, uh, I don't know, obviously you see, uh, I guess, the potential and the talent that he brings to the table. He's an absolutely, uh, like, he's a super wiry target and a smooth athlete. And then when, when you think of a smooth athlete that's super long, you're enticed by the catch radius, obviously. Uh, he's continuing to add weight, which I feel like is an easy thing to point at as for a reason that he might not necessarily have reached his consistency yet. Um, at the same time, I think that I think that this fall will be pretty telling for him in terms of his ability to at least try to demand some playing time. Uh, because while I guess he is, like you said, just a retro freshman, and you can't get too critical. Uh, he was a top 100 recruit at the same time. And he's a person that the Huskies would look to, especially kind of seeing some weird sort of attrition in the room, like Alex Cook moving to the defensive side of the ball. Uh, we've mentioned in the past their elder classmen or upperclassmen like Quentin Pounds, who's been injured three times, and Jordan Chin, who only has one catch to his name, Chico McClatcher, who's basically gone uh, two football seasons since kind of breaking out his freshman and sophomore year, uh, that if there's an opportunity to kind of wedge himself into playing time, I feel like it might be right now. And you mentioned Chico. and With Trey Lowe, is it easy to just – pigeonhole him as the next Chico McClatcher did does it feel like those two guys are competing for the for the slot or do you think that there's more in Trey's game that you expect to see this fall I think I I think it's really easy to draw the comparison uh for two reasons first of all the body type obviously being 5'8 but then kind of stockier and stronger built built like a running back you know because both of them were running backs in high school which leads me to the other comparison that both of them kind of bring that running back mentality uh, to the group 
Um, and for that reason, like, I don't know. I think that uh, it is a pretty easy comparison to make. I don't necessarily think it's inaccurate, but at the same time, I don't think that that's a bad thing. I mean, you saw what Chico did his first two years on campus and how explosive he was. Um, and I, I don't think Husky fans would have any problem with having um, another player like that. And then, like you said, I like I think that in kind of the more that gadgety slot role, I think it will be a pretty interesting competi- competition between Chico and Trey Lowe, uh, like you mentioned, because I think they do have similar skill sets. Um, obviously, both of them can get playing time, but I feel like preferably for the Husky coaching staff, one of them would separate themselves as the primary option at that group. Um, but then it's interesting. I mean, uh, obviously, positional versatility is at a premium for the coaching staff. Uh, and, and for that reason, people will move around to different spots and stuff like that. However, you also have to think that Andre Bocelli, who kind of emerged as that kind of screen catcher, or that, yeah, that screen catcher, uh, short to intermediate uh, target for the Huskies. And then Austin Osborne, who kind of emerged as a guy who can get open in the middle of the field. Those guys will also take some slot reps as well. So it's interesting. The Huskies have so many talented bodies. It'll just be a matter of who rises to the occasion, it feels like. And you're right. I mean, you talk about the talented bodies. We just we just went over like 10 different scholarship guys. You know, Fuller, Pounds, Bacelli, McClatcher, Jones, Chin, Bynum, Spiker, Lowe, Osborne. Where do where does a guy like Puka Nakua and, and Taj Davis where where do they fit into this equation, or do they fit in at all? I mean, are they just is it just a no brainer that they're going to redshirt, or is a guy like Nakua or a guy like Davis are they just too talented to keep off the field? Yeah, it, you know it's interesting. I, I think it was interesting to see that last year was the first year that you could play freshman four games and still preserve their redshirt eligibility. And yeah, correct me if I'm wrong. I think Trey Lowe is the only receiver that saw any playing time. That's, uh, yeah, that's true. So what that says to me is that someone has to come in and just absolutely blow the doors off of the place or just wow the coaches uh, to levels never before seen in order to get playing time, especially in a room this talented. That said, obviously Puka Nakua, in some people's opinions, was the most talented receiver on the West Coast by the end of the recruiting cycle. Um. So is it out of the realm of possibilities that he comes in and just demands uh, playing time with his natural ability? I, I don't necessarily think it is. Um, however, I think uh, in, in an ideal world, Coach Peterson would like to preserve the eligibility of every player he can, especially if that means that some of the other talented bodies that we've named before rise to the occasion. Uh, Puka, I, I think, man, I don't know. It, it, it's It's tough. It goes like – you go back and forth on it, whether or not uh, you think that he will get playing time. But I think the the short answer is that he can. He just has to come in and be, I guess, kind of or live up to the near five star reputation that he earned. Yep. No, there's no doubt about it. I think that you know you got to come in and blow the doors off yeah. if you want to try to get in front of ten scholarship guys. For sure. I, no, and I, then also not to mention Taj Davis as well didn't get quite the fanfare of Pukinakua in recruiting, uh, but nevertheless he. he He's a six-one, nearly two hundred pound receiver who was a track star in high school as well. I mean, when you just talk about big, fast, and strong, you can kind of check all three of those boxes with him as well. But yeah, as we've mentioned with Puka, he's got to really kind of—I don't know—position himself pretty high on that pecking order in order to earn playing time, uh, because what the Huskies prefer to burn a year of eligibility for either of those guys if they're going to 
see the eighth, ninth, tenth most targets on the team, I, I don't think they would. So for those Washington fans that are interested in stuff like this, this this podcast and other things that we're doing on dogman.com, we can keep you up to date on our uh, updated mailing list. And all you have to do is send us an email to huskystadium at gmail.com. One word, huskystadium at gmail.com with the subject line newsletter. We'll get you signed up and then we'll send out to your inbox any breaking news, any updates that we have. We try to send them on a daily basis. And especially now that fall camp is almost upon us, we are going to be sending out a ton of these newsletters. So it's a great way to stay in touch with what we're doing. So, Luke, I really appreciate the update on all the receivers. It'll be great to see what they do the start of fall camp. Fall camp will start on Friday, August 2nd. Can't wait to be there. So for everyone here at Dogman.com and for Luke Munger, our intern emeritus, this is Chris Fetters of Dogman.com. Go dogs. (laughs) Thank <laughs> you.